0: I always say for everybody, one size doesn't fit all. But find out what brings you joy. Find out what makes you spark. Because sometimes in midlife, you lose that level of spark that you had before. And it's not that it's not there. It's just that it's not been ignited because you're not feeling great with your hormone levels, your family situations, familial situations, children, whatever it might be. Find what brings you joy and nail it. Yeah. And for me, it is maintaining my fitness and looking after my mental well-being is huge for me. Michelle Griffith-Robinson is a great
1: British Olympian, personal trainer and life coach. She's been tackling her menopause with the dedication and resilience you would expect from an Olympian. This is the Liz Earle Wellbeing Show, the podcast helping us all have a better second half. I'm Liz Earle, and I'm on a bit of a mission to find ways for all of us to thrive in later life by investing in our health and our well-being today. Well, October, as I'm sure you've been aware, is World Menopause month so each episode this month i've wanted to give airtime to parts of the menopause conversation that we don't always hear so much about we've talked about everything from hrt dosage to inequalities in women's healthcare well today we're rounding off the month by hearing a first hand account of what all the facts and figures and science look like in real life for one woman, Michelle Griffith Robinson. Well, Michelle represented Great Britain for two decades as a triple jumper. She was the first woman to jump over 14 metres in the Commonwealth, an absolutely astounding feat. And she's continued to break barriers since retiring as an athlete in 2006. Understanding how important the relationship between physical and mental wellness is, she became a personal trainer, as well as a life coach and mentor. She's a fellow ambassador for the Menopause Charity and also for Diabetes UK, a real healthcare warrior. So, how does an Olympian approach the menopause? Well, Michelle, it's so lovely to have you here on the show. We keep colliding at so many menopause events and awareness activities. And now here you are, which is just so brilliant. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Liz. Finally, we made it happen. And um, (laughs) you know what? My mum always says, Nothing never happens before it's time. So this was clearly our time. So thank you, Liz.
1: Uh, I love that. And talking about timing, we're coming to the end of menopause month here. So I'm I'm really keen to chat midlife bodies in a moment. But can we touch on your relationship with your body from as far back as you can remember first? You know, physical exercise. Was that always important to you from when you were a child?
0: Well, I think for me, physical exercise has been something that's um, almost been ingrained into me from Age 12 is when I started athletics and it was always about, you know, keeping fit, you know, running around the track, whether it be jumping in a sandpit. And, you know, I, wasn't, I never knew I was going to become an Olympian. I have to get, make that very straight and clear. But what I did know is that I felt great after doing physical activity and that's something that I've carried on, you know, and I was 52 mm. a few weeks ago. And, you know, for me, it's about, you know, I'm now 40 years of doing physical activity and, and I don't know life without it. And yeah. that doesn't mean that everybody for everybody that's listening that I expect them all to become Olympians <laughs> or athletes, clearly not ladies. But what I would say is it definitely has an impact on how you see things, how you mm. do things from, you know, your physical exertion and how you cope with things. And there's so many different things that our bodies are going through, you know, physically and then mentally yeah. on top of that, the, you know, everyday stresses. I always Mm -hmm. say that physical activity is definitely something that I would say has to be one of your non-negotiables in life. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I completely agree. I mean, do you think, as well as the mental side of it, that it's had a positive impact on the way your body is ageing? You talk about you now being 52, I turned 60 recently, which was a massive kind of watershed moment for me, and I've actually stepped up my physical activity, not not decreased it.
0: Absolutely. You know, I, I think the fact that, you know, my body's used to doing something physical, my mindset is, you know what, we can tackle this. Yes, we have hiccups and obstacles along the way, and, you know, Liz, you know, if I, I often say if I can have a look at somebody like you at 60, that looks bloody incredible. You know, and, <laughs> uh, and you do, you know, there's some 30-year-olds that would love to look like you. Oh, but the great thing you. about being our age, Liz, as well, is that we've come with experience how to manage yeah. ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I love physical activity. I do a lot of strength training. I would advocate, you know, strength training to be something that I say, right, most women post 45, Get on it. Yes, we know scientifically mm. it's great for osteoporosis, it helps with you your balance, strength training, longer, leaner muscles, all of that. But actually, why not feel strong? And I think there's a big emphasis yeah. that's shifted from the strong, not skinny over the years. Mm-hmm. There's a big emphasis on that.
1: I, I completely agree. And I think it's really interesting, isn't it? We now know that lifting weights, for example, is so important. I didn't pick up a weight till I was in my 50s, mid 50s. And they're not going to bulk us as women, are they? You know, I'm, so, so so many trainers say to me, you know, the only way that you can bulk is, you know, if, if you're on steroids, you know, lifting weights is just on its own, is just not going to do it. Do you think that's true?
0: Absolutely. You know, I would say that, you no, know, you can bulk if you're lifting really heavy weight on three or four repetitions. So if you're mm. getting 80 kilogram bench press and you're just doing wow. three or four reps and the, the, the chances of that are very slim for the, for the yes. normal in inverted commas woman. You know, so mm. people used to say to I said, guys, look, my best, my best cleans, you know, which is a, an Olympic lift is 97 and a half kg. My best bench, Whoa. Put, you know, was 85 kg. And I never looked like a man. I never looked like somebody that no. just walked out of Arnold Schwarzenegger's house. <laughs> you know, so it's about, you know, yeah. recognizing that's not going to happen. And that has slowly, in fact, significantly changed over the last 10 years. You seeing more and more uptake of women of all ages in the gym using the strength training equipment and actually not being afraid to do strength training and weight training as well, which is always a positive. And so we are more and more likely to go away from the skinny look that was around back in the 80s and 90s, that everybody felt they had to be a certain size. And now we're looking at the strong glutes strong bottom strong thighs nice bicep mm. and i'm doing this as i'm talking of course uh, our listeners can't <laughs> see me but you know it's about being strong and that that strength is internal and then it shines externally. Doesn't it? You just
1: feel so much more capable. You know, mentally, I think I feel more resilient and better able to equip with all the stuff that life is going to fling at me on a daily basis and and does continually. Because physically, I I feel, you know, strength in my body. And I think mentally, subconsciously, that kind of transfers to me then feeling a bit more empowered
0: generally. Absolutely. I I completely agree with you. You feel generally more empowered. And, you know, when when you're able to get up in the morning and not have those creaks and you know, not your knees aren't hurting you and you've got the flexibility, you generally do set your tone for the day of, you know what, mm-hmm. I'm strong enough. And I say to people, I'm I'm very big on affirmations and gratitude. And I say in the morning, yeah. I am strong enough. I deserve to be here. I'm going to kick ass. And that's what I do. And I do this. I, I give myself a talking to it. The people laugh at me. Really? No, I give myself a talking to because Who's going to champion me more than I champion myself? I love that. I love that. I mean, I quipped at the beginning of the show
1: that you're tackling menopause like an Olympian. There's obviously a a bit of truth in that. You know, you've you've got that mindset. You've got that goal. Now it's shifted from medal winning to, you know, kind of meno winning, if you like.
0: I love that. I love that. (laughs) Menno winning indeed. And it's about um, winning in midlife. You know, and, and, and again, you know, we, this, I always say for everybody, one size doesn't fit all, but find out what brings you joy, find out what makes you spark, find out what, what we're that fire in your belly. Because sometimes in midlife, you lose that level of spark that you had before. And it's not that it's not there. It's just that it's not been ignited because you're not feeling great with your hormone levels, your family situations, familial situations, children, whatever it might be, find what brings you joy and nail it do a deep dive into what brings you joy. Yeah. And for me, it is maintaining my fitness and looking after my mental well-being It's huge for me.
1: Talking about finding out what brings you joy and just kind of finding out things in general, were there conversations about menopause at home when you were growing up or maybe even, you know, amongst family and friends in later adulthood, you know, how armed with knowledge did you feel when it was suddenly your turn?
0: Um, I've got to be honest with you, I have an amazing relationship with my mum. You know, my mum is my best friend. I often say it, my mum's, you know, 83 and a half. She's an amazing woman, been through some really tough times. But my mum, even being as liberal as she was, when I asked her, you know, it, it would be a November time and the weather's cold and she'd be sweating in the kitchen. And I, I'm like, mummy, what, what's going on? She said, oh, it's nothing, it's just a little sweat, don't worry about it. And it was all that, always that, that dismissiveness of, mm. and my mum's a ward sister, so she had the knowledge of what was actually going on with her, I'm sure. But it's just that they didn't put an emphasis on that was a minor for her yeah. back then. Yeah. So I actually didn't find out much about menopause. I knew about menstruation from my mum. I'm mm-hmm. very open about menstruation, very open about STDs, about sexual intercourse, partners and all different things. I was really, I am blessed to have had my mum because a lot of my friends from Afro-Caribbean backgrounds, they couldn't discuss these things with their mum. So, but it's just that my mum never discussed menopause.
1: That is extraordinary, isn't it? And, uh, you know, it's so great that we're smashing it. I think my kids get, you know, sick to death of actually me going (laughs) on about menopause and, you know, the girls and the boys. So then what did you notice first in terms of your symptoms and and did you recognise them as being perimenopausal?
0: Actually, Liz, I didn't recognise them as perimenopausal. I never heard of the word perimenopause until about five years ago, four years ago. I've got to be honest. I was behind the curve.
1: Well, not really. That's
0: pretty good. I mean, four or five years ago is pretty good. Many people still haven't heard the You're you're, you're absolutely right, I guess. And, and, you know, I I think mine started from going to the toilet a lot at night, Mm -hmm. which now I recognize is part of vaginal atrophy as well and all sorts of things. But it started off as weeing a lot at night. And then I had to have extensive, extensive research they're trying to rule out bladder cancer. That's that's what it turned out to. Yeah. All the oscopies you could imagine. Isn't that terrifying? You know that, that these oh these clinicians God. don't
1: say, "Listen, look at your age." This is obviously going to be a really simple, healthy explanation. But no, we get panicked. It's like, you know, I had I had heart palpitations and, you know, was sent off for ECGs and heart scans and, you know, at huge expense and huge personal worry and stress. And then, you know, low bit of estrogen gel, heart starts beating (laughs) normally.
0: Normally. (laughs) I mean, Liz, I mean, you know, and, and there is that as well, you know. I've had two of my friends with the palpitations. So for me, it was the weeing at night, mm. recognising that actually because of my low estrogen, it may be pre-diabetic because, you know, I have genetically diabetes in my family. My mum, unfortunately, had an amputated leg in January this year <gasps> from the cause Gosh. of diabetes. So diabetes, nice. and that's the reason why I'm an ambassador Diabetes UK as well, yes. because I want to, again, educate Black and Asian and minority ethnics around the, the seriousness mm. of diabetes type 2.
1: Amazing. Well, well, we'll come back to that in the second half, definitely, because that is such an important topic. I'm delighted that you're going to be doing a, a deep dive into that. Coming back to your early symptoms, I have read that low libido was one of the symptoms that you've spoken about in particular. What did that look like and, and feel like for you? And, you know, why do you think that symptom is as important as a part of this conversation perhaps as any other?
0: Absolutely. I think there's something that, um, you know, we don't talk around sex a lot, in this country for, for whatever reason. I've always had a very beautiful sex life with my husband. You know, we've been together 21 years and I noticed around about 2018 that I didn't really fancy sex with my husband. It was, And whether we like it or not, whether I like it or not, that's something that we we enjoy doing things together. So when mm-hmm. that was, you know, dipping and you, know, you start to question, that puts a little bit of a strain on the marriage because all mm-hmm. of a sudden that person's almost being rejected. So I see it through different lens as well. You know, and that's important to me. I wouldn't like it if my husband Mm. want to have sex with me. You know, you start to think, is this somebody else? Does he not fancy me? All of these things that it's reality. What's going on? So Mm -hmm. that was my first symptom that I noticed: a low libido. My sex drive had dropped downhill. The brain fog was another symptom of mine. I just like, oh my gosh, can't remember what bloody my name is. You know, so that was that was the two main symptoms for me. I've never had a hot sweat or a hot flash. Never had that, so I wouldn't know what that looked like. (laughs) Tiredness. Yeah. I had levels of tiredness. And I tell you what creeped up on me, anxiety, Liz. Mm,
1: gosh, you think for you, you, you come across as such a dynamic, positive, strong Honestly, woman. Honestly,
0: and even you saying that, yes, I am dynamic. Yes, I am positive, but I'm still symptomatic. Mm. You know, and I still mm. have symptoms in regardless of whatever. And I think this is the conversation that we do need to push out there, Liz. Regardless of how much money you earn, how successful you think you may be. Nothing beats your body. Your body is <laughs> crying out for support. Yes. Yeah. It's crying out for support. It needs the estrogen. It needs something to, you know, to, to level out those hormones. And so regardless of how, my positive mindset, I don't care how positive I am. I couldn't do it right now without what I put in place to yeah. help me, which in my case is HRT. And lifestyle changes. So what
1: what, what HRT are you on? And and did it take a while for you to get the dosage and the type right? Because I know it can take a bit of tweaking, can't it?
0: It took a lot of bloody tweaking and twerking. Did it? It bloody well did. So I'm now on three pumps of oestrogen gel every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm still having periods. Um, I'm still having periods every 28 days Mm. and I'm 52 with that. I'm having um, progesterone tablets, inserts, Mm -hmm. orally as well. And then I'm taking testosterone, just a small P amount, every other day. And
1: did you manage to get that on the NHS? Because if you have got low libido, that is the only clinical reason that women are allowed to be prescribed it. So were you able to get it for that reason or did you have to struggle elsewhere?
0: Unfortunately, I had to struggle elsewhere and get it privately first. And then now, where I've moved to now, my doctor's exceptional. And to be honest, I've had fantastic doctors. I was based in Devon. I'm now based in South Wales. I've had fantastic doctors that have got a lot of understanding and empathy. And I think that's the first thing that women want to feel is feel heard. Mm -hmm. You know, the big I've just done recently, did a campaign for Holland and Barrett around inequalities of black women's health and menopause Mm. and the population. And the biggest thing that they said was, black women want to be seen and heard understand that we are different from our white counterparts, that our symptoms are two years earlier. They can be more ferocious. There's a lot more, you know, so just being seen and heard. And so going into a doctor's surgery for many women and just being seen and heard straight away, you feel 20% better anyway. Yeah. Well, we
1: spoke just two weeks ago actually with Dr. Nigat Arif about the work that she's doing to break down institutional and cultural barriers, you know, faced by women from ethnic minorities, particularly when it comes to, to menopause care and knowledge. And obviously, that's really important to you. Is that part of the reason that you joined the Menopause Charity as an ambassador?
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, when I first had my conversation with Dr. Louise Newsom around it, around joining and everything else. And Lorraine Candies the one that put me forward to, to Louise. And, and I said, the reason why I need to be like, you know, not the face, I don't need, I don't need any attention from this. Let's, let's get this straight. But mm. I do need my sisters and I call them my sisters, women in places, whether it's up in the Northeast, white women that can't access the support that me and you, Candies, let's call it out sure. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah. I, I need them is. to feel like, do you know what? Let me go and listen to that girl, Michelle. Let me yeah, go see what Somebody Michelle's... who
1: looks and sounds like me, I can relate to. There you to. go.
0: Yeah. There you she's go. on the same page. She's on yeah. the same page. And, you know, that's why I do what I do with all of my charities Women's Aid, Diabetes UK, the Menopause Charity, and being a patron of the Menopause Mandate. The reason why I do what I do is because I want to impact one person and make a difference. You know, people often talk about, oh, you don't have this amount of followers, you don't have this book out. And I'm like, guys, if I can impact, one woman gosh yes you do more than yeah I've won (laughs) I've won my Olympic gold medal when I got a message through the other day from a woman that said to Michelle thank you for sharing that with me thank you that's made a difference to my life I was Mm. I was I've been tearful for four weeks and I've now sat down with my husband and I've spoken to him about menopause for me Liz That's my Olympic
1: gold medal. I love that. And I love you. Well, stay there, Michelle. I want to come back in just a moment. We're going to talk a little bit more about physical fitness, but of course, how you, even being so fit as an Olympian, developed diabetes. So we'll be back in a sec. Well, as I said, you know, you were our slim, athletic, very active lifestyle. You were living in beautiful Devon with your family. And yet in 2018, you discovered that you were pre-diabetic. How did all that unfurl for you?
0: Well, Liz, I've got to be honest with you. Like I mentioned, you know, they were actually ruling out bladder cancer because that was the signs and symptoms you know, and I had a friend that was, is a, is a kidney specialist. And she said to me, are they doing all these tests? And that was really frightening and worrying. Yes. But when yeah. I was told it was pre-diabetes, I've got to be honest with you, that was the lesser of the evils. Right. That was the lesser of the evils. And I actually said to the doctor, what, I, me, me, have you got the right <laughs> results then? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, Lizzie yeah. have yeah. looked to me like a bad, like, was like, who's this bad black woman in Devon questioning my integrity? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you sure you've got the right name? I yeah, so, but how
1: how then? Because you're eating super well, you're you're as I say, you know, an extremely healthy weight and very active. Is it purely genetic?
0: Were there any other factors involved? The genetics, I think it was genetics list, and if I'm being honest with you, low estrogen Gosh. because five years later, and this was actually incidentally on the when I was doing the Holland and Barrett shoot, I got a phone call from my doctor. Because what happens when you're pre-diabetic, you get yourself checked every six months. So I did go on a very and I'm not pleased, I'm not advocating this for everybody else. And I always say one size doesn't fit all. But for me, it worked on me going on a very strict keto mm-hmm. type intake. Yep. So yep. I would have eggs in the morning with spinach. Mm-hmm. I would have mackerel with broccoli, mackerel with spinach. I would have very, very high protein, yep. very low carbohydrates.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I was doing that for th- four years and it was coming down, coming down. But as soon as I've been on estrogen for the last 18 months, I've gone into the out of pre-diabetic range. So I believe for me, it was, and it is linked, because when I've spoken to doctors, a lot of women find they get um, more cardio disease and diabetes because their estrogen levels are so low. And these are the messages that I feel we need to encourage, because black women are so frightened, but from all accounts of trying HRT for whatever their reasons, personal reasons are. I feel we Mm. need to actually lay it down and say, do you know that you're more at risk of getting diabetes, cardio disease, all of these symptoms, osteoporosis, if you don't take it, that's my opinion. Yeah. So yeah. I think the the combination of the the estrogen plus my continuous resilience to fight with eating well, moving well, is why I'm now mm. outside of pre diabetes. But again, it's a constant. It's, you know I I have to recognize my genetics are more likely to get diabetes than, than my white best friend Caroline. You know, so I have to recognize these and just say right because of that. What can I do? What's within my gift? That I can control, because mm. there's not much else you can control in this this world, Liz. <laughs> that's
1: true. I mean, we know, for example, that people of different descent store fat differently. Yeah. is 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 that a factor when it comes to diabetes?
0: Yeah, absolutely. In terms of re- we, the the fat around your um, internal organs and the the breaking it down, and that's why you know we're more prone. Black and Asian and minority ethnic,s especially Black and Asians, are more likely to. I think there's a, there's a statistic of about a third more likely to get diabetes. Than a white British person because of genetics wow. as well. Especially Liz, you know, you look at me, I'm a size 10, straight 12. You know, yes. I, I carry yes. you know, 20% body fat, 21% body, I'm I i do not carry, you know, I'm not an elite athlete no. at all like I was before, but I I look well. And mm-hmm. I also, again, another thing that I do want people to 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 listen and say is just because you look a certain way doesn't mean you're exempt from what's going on inside interesting
1: yeah absolutely well you're absolutely living proof of that and what information were you given at the time then in terms of making lifestyle changes did you have to investigate that yourself or you know were lifestyle interventions suggested was there medication in the mix there as well
0: um to be very honest with you the uh, the nhs were excellent in terms of providing diabetes support groups they were very very good at encouraging those so uh, needless to say i didn't go to any of those support groups i was like you know you are turning around and Telling me to cut this out or exercise more. Come on, guys. Hello. Yeah. But they're not to know that because, as far as they're concerned, I'm just missing to say blogs. But so, for anybody else that doesn't have the, the level of information that I have, those support groups are excellent. Because it's yes. it's just all Good the information I know. But I've been a personal trainer for twenty-four years. I've been in sports right. since I was twelve. My husband was in was, was in science and, and biomechanics. So we've got a we've got a lifestyle of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Whether we choose to tap into it, we've still got the knowledge there. Mm-hmm.
1: Tell me about your relationship with sugar in particular now then. Do you still follow low carb stroke keto?
0: I've gotta be honest with you, Liz, over the last three months I haven't done actually. I've, I've increased my carbohydrates more to seeded. I've, I'm starting to have a bit more seeded bread. Mm-hmm. I noticed that my um, my stool was different. And I know it's not the right subject to talk right now, but I know no, my <laughs> stool wasn't quite where it needed to be. I, it's like I was needed some more fiber. So I've started mm-hmm. to increase the fiber um, a, alongside my vegetables. But I've noticed, I don't know if many women have noticed as well, you, you start to crave a bit more sugar as you get older.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, that, that can be an estrogen link as well.
0: It, I think so. was like, oh my Gosh, that's something I'm going to look into because I started fancying a little bit more jelly sweets than normal. So, um, and I was like, Oh my god, more than normal. How many do you normally have? No, no, I'm saying because normally it's just once a month that I fancy that sugar rush when I'm during my period, okay. right? I, I do, okay. fa- fair enough, which I used to fa- that was called almost like a once a month, in, yeah, like in like day 23, 24, I'd want like a chocolate or a sugar. Right. I'm not, I'm a savory person, I am a 100%. Give me a bag of king prawns with garlic and chili and I'm, I'm the happiest person alive. I'm very easy. Mm. But I just noticed I started to fancy that. So that, I'm I'm still very cautious. And I always say to everybody out there, if you've got it in your house, it's more likely that you're going to delve into it. Absolutely. If it's not in the house, you can't eat it, basically. That's the same, Liz. On yeah. re- reframe that in terms of I've always got my nut palette where I've got mm-hmm. my all my, my nuts in a, in a jar handful of nuts mm-hmm. today, and that's me done. I'll have my Greek yogurt there um, and that's it. Little bit of honey. So I've got them all in the house so that when those hunger pangs come, there's something there. Mm-hmm. So the crisps yeah. and the and the and the chocolate they are limited because me and my husband especially my husband my husband's sweet tooth is ridiculous oh. but because he's not prone to diabetes in his family okay he thinks he can get away with it but i have warned him but he told me i'm nagging him so i'm going to leave him <laughs> how, how do you cope with the healthy lifestyle then with the rest of the family
1: you know do, do they take on board what you're doing or do they have have their own kind of lockable cupboards in the kitchen with their own supplies
0: um we have the red cupboard we call it the red cupboard <laughs> really? yeah the red cupboard so i say go in the red cupboard if you want anything and it's it's always it's 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 not as easy situated in this house as it was in the last so it's a bit more of a mm-hmm. more arduous to get to it but look I don't tell my kids not to eat anything the only thing I'm there to do is to make sure it's done in moderation moderation and I think that's the same for everybody moderation 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 of course for me you know my father was a big drinker my father's no longer here I've seen the relationship alcohol has had on people's lives so I would often yeah. say to people be mindful of your alcohol intake because it can change personalities and break down relationships But that's my own personal opinion. I'm not here to preach to anybody. My husband has a glass of red wine a couple of nights a week. Please feel free to do so. I will have a glass of Prosecco once every blue moon. Mm -hmm. Not something that's a habitual thing for me because that's my own personal deepness of the impact it's had on my life growing up. Sure. Interesting. You
1: you talk there about things that you talk about and and not preaching. I've heard you talk about being very strident actually with with people that you come across, strangers, you know, at the train station or in a coffee shop. Yes. And 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 you'll strike up conversations and and just I can just imagine that the scene of you know some sort of quite innocent person standing there. I don't know, buying a muffin and a chocolate latte or something. And then you you kind of you're on there, aren't you? Both barrels going. You know. I I and I love that because you're not shy. Um, what, what kind of reaction do you get when you when you start talking about things like this? Are people do, do they respond to you positively?
0: I've got to be honest with you, Liz. In the time I have done it, they have, and I mean this with the greatest sincerity. They've actually put down what they were buying, <laughs> and, I've, and, I've, and I've, I've you know I've apologized to Costa Coffee and Starbucks in advance, and it's like so sorry, but you know I've come in here to buy. A coffee and I'm not, I'm not judging anybody for the, for anything they want to do, but I had to ask you know this 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 lovely Indian man um, by my mum's at The coaster up right there, and I saw him. I said, "Oh, what, what you, and he was picking up this this maple pecan something this and this and this." And I said, "Do you come in here often?" And he and he said, "Um, yeah, every mo- every morning." He was really proud about saying it. Eleven o'clock at oh. eleven I said to him, "Oh," he said, "Why?" <laughs> um, I, just to say to you, my mum just had a leg amputated, and if I can help anybody just with educating them around these habits, that can be really life changing. I would look, and he just sat there. He said, and he called over his friends. So I wow. sat there, surrounded by four beautiful Indian men and myself. In Costa, Costa Coffee, wow. I've, I've actually just lost 30 quid because of, because of my intervention. <laughs> but I've impacted her life because he said, yes. he said to me, tell me your name. He said, my name's Michelle, you know, and, and he said, he said you're poor mama. And I said, you know, if it's not for you, but for your family, because I know genetically the family, for, for Indian and black families, food is the centre of our hub. Yes. Yes, that's do yes. we do. We, we, we communicate, we, we have um, get-togethers around food, which is great, Which is great, Mm. but we've got to make Mm. choices because the impact, Liz, what my mum went through this year, I can promise you guys, it has been Mm. a plus being midlife, perimenopausal, having teenage children, having a marriage, having my career that's flourishing. But seeing Mm. the impact on my mum, Liz, I have never been so down in my whole life. Life. Oh, sweetheart. And I think that,
1: you know, just to kind of to, to round off this conversation, that's a really important point, isn't it? That so many of us in midlife, we are this You know well often used phrase the sandwich generation we've got our older kids often teenage you know going through tricky times or maybe empty nesting but we do have for the majority of us elderly parents who are getting frailer they haven't potentially lived the healthiest of lives because let's face it they've been in the last 20-30 years when food processing and all the bombardment of that has been at its peak an awareness of it was not what it is today. I mean, I hope that I can age in a healthier way, you know, perhaps than, than the previous generation. And, you know, we, we kind of get lost in all of this. You must have felt a bit of that too.
0: Absolutely. I, I honestly felt like I couldn't cope. And, you know, thank goodness that I have a support system. And, and again, you know, I really want people to understand when I talk about having your non-negotiables, have your non-negotiables in place, get that support system, speak up. There's no harm in saying to somebody, I am struggling. And that's what I was saying to my closest people around me. You know, I was saying, I'm struggling. I can't take on any more work because otherwise I'm doing an injustice to myself. Yeah. We can't yeah. give from an empty cup. We can't give without oxygen mask on ourselves first. And I just felt that when you're trying to give to every different demographic, you actually forget about yourself. And along the way, you deplete. And in the end, who loses out? So it's about, for me, I, I, I did struggle. I recognize, but I was grateful that my mum had the understanding to say to Michelle, go home and be with your kids. Your kids need you. But not everybody has that understanding mother. Not everybody yes. has that understanding husband. And actually not everybody has that support network in place. And they're the people that I feel deeply sorry for. So if I can help anybody in my life, list and I mean that genuinely, I talk mm. about paying it forward. Send the list back down help somebody else leverage equity if you can do better why would you not? Uh, Absolutely
1: love it. What are your favourite resources? Let's finish by directing people to some places that they can go to having listened to this, both for diabetes and for menopause. I know you are a big fan of Dr Louise Newson, as I am, of course. We talked about the menopause charity. What other places would you want to signpost?
0: Yeah, you know, I I, I look out for people that have always looked out for me and, and, and who are positive around me. So, you know, Lisa Snowden's a fabulous, fabulous woman, midline, mm. full of courage. And, and her, you know, her book is phenomenal. I would say to yeah. people again, you know, follow different doctors out there. So Dr. Naomi Potter, Dr. Nagat, Dr. Shahazi, mm. you know, fo- fo- Dr. C. Say, follow different doctors out there. One of the things, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm very critical on is um, we don't have enough men out there that are supporting. Let's try and find some men out there that can support because their wives or their sisters or their aunts might go through it too. For me, that's another thing that I'm really, I would like to do a little bit more, you know, collaboration with men. But I'd say mo- most importantly, write down every day what you want to achieve. And if that's one thing of, I want to walk 10 minutes. So before mm-hmm. you go to find everybody else out there, find yourself, find you. And in terms of diabetes? Diabetes UK, the Diabetes UK website is absolutely fantastic. It's got a list of... um Brilliant solutions on there. There's a know your risk tool as well, which actually gives you a breakdown of what your chances of. So know your risk tool on www.diabetesuk.co.uk. That's fantastic. A brilliant resource for diabetes. Brilliant resource, for menopause charity, the balance app as well for, for menopause, as well, is fantastic. And also, as well, there's a lot of women out there that are talking around fitness. I mean, you can come to me at any point at all, drop a DM around fitness and well-being. Lavina Mehta, she does a lot around exercise, mm. snacking as well. One of the charities that's really dear to my heart through my own experiences um, of um, being affected by domestic abuse, Women's Aid. So, you know, please remember that if you've got any issues or you're feeling a little bit of this, some red flags that you're not sure about, go on to the Women's Aid website as well. They're an amazing charity that help a lot of women and girls. And, you know, the statistics are very shocking out there. million women and girls are affected by domestic abuse every year and two to three women every fortnight are unfortunately murdered by their partner. So I don't want to leave this conversation on a doom and gloom, but again, it's my job to signpost people so that they've got a wealth of information and knowledge to support them should they face challenging times. But I would, you know, just reach out to everybody that's within your circles, you know, reach out to everybody that's within your circles, but self-care is important. Having your non-negotiables, showing gratitude, positive affirmations
1: wonderful honestly i feel so uplifted from our conversation michelle thank you so so much and i hope to see you again in real life in real life key events very soon bless you thank you thank you babes uh, always the biggest joy to chat to Michelle and I'm so grateful to her for continuing to share so much of her own experiences with us. You know, I can't overstate the importance of not feeling alone, not feeling like we're the only one, especially when it comes to menopause. And a couple of things that Michelle said actually, which I just jotted down because they really struck in my mind. One is that you can't give from an empty cup. Isn't that just spot on? You know, I always say that self-care is not selfish. You know, we do need to look after ourselves so that we can better help others. But I hadn't actually heard that expression before, not giving from an empty cup because we can't do that. And the other one that I really, really liked is send the lift back down. Yeah. Isn't that great? You know, you, you, you make it to the top. You become an Olympian like Michelle, but then you take the time to send the lift back down well by the way we talked about pre-diabetes with michelle there and for a brilliant exploration of diabetes and insulin do listen to our recent episode with dr jason fung he did such a brilliant job of making the latest science incredibly clear for us oh and if you would prefer to listen back to jason's episode or any other episode actually ad free you can now subscribe to the liz our well show plus that's on apple podcasts and it's a very small monthly fee you get ad free plus once you're a subscriber you also get 24 hour early access to all those episodes so
2: why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
1: well worth having if you fancy that well has michelle's experience resonated with you i would love to know the team and i are on instagram you can find me at lizelle me and then you can also find the team at lizelle Wellbeing. well until the next time we chat and we move the conversation on from menopause month to more longevity and interesting ways to live well not just to survive but thrive in midlife and beyond i'll see you then bye-bye The well Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Lizelle, and is produced by Anoushka Tate for Fresh Air Production, with additional production support from Ellie Smith.